Hello and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. The purpose of this podcast is to create a safe place to heal, transformation, and evolve. Your host, Michelle Manning, is the creator of the Quantum Soul Clearing Process. Each week, we'll be bringing you new and innovative ways to heal and transform every area of your life, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, and financially, so you are free to bring your gifts and talents into the world to become the best version of who you are designed to be and help revolutionize the world. This show will inspire you, lift you, connect you, and give you access to the most cutting-edge healing resources available anywhere on the planet. This is the Epic Healing Transformations Podcast. Today, I have Joy Chang with us. She is the queen of transformational book publishing. She's passionate about helping people write and publish their books so they can make the income and impact they desire and deserve. She believes that when we share our stories, we heal ourselves and we heal the world. And she has an amazing story to share with us. Joy is a Patrick Snow certified published. She... Joy is a Patrick Snow certified publishing coach, international best-selling author, TEDx, and professional keynote speaker. She's a mentor, healer, circle facilitator, and a trained yoga teacher. She is so talented. And when I met her at the New Media Summit um, several months ago, I was just so struck by how gifted and how talented she is and how far she has come. She's also the host of the podcast, The Naked Truth Movement, where she interviews guests who are willing to share inspirational stories and be vulnerable so fewer people feel alone. She's been interviewed on over 30 podcasts, including mine and also The Conscious Millionaire with millions of listeners all over the world. Welcome, Joy. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, Michelle. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So take us back to the old, old you, you know, several years ago. I know that you were really, you've, you've been in, you know, that, that dark night of the soul, that dark place that a lot of us have been at. Can you, can you tell us kind of what was going on? Yeah. Um, so when I was in my 20s, I was really depressed um, and I even had suicidal thoughts um, and it was obviously, you know, a, a sad time in my life, but really also a very confusing time because I didn't know why I felt that way. You know, there wasn't like anything that had happened that would make it seem like it would make sense for me to feel that way. I hadn't gone through a, a terrible breakup or had, you know, a big loss in my life. My life was actually good. Um, I had a good job. I had family and friends that cared about me. I was in a relationship. Um, but for some reason I was feeling this way, you know, and so, um, it was really confusing, you know, like I said, and it was hard for me to get out of bed. Um, and I remember I would cross this bridge on the way to work and I would think about what it would be like to jump off that bridge. Um, and I didn't tell anybody, nobody knew, mm-hmm. um, which I think is pretty common. You know, it's, um, it's hard to, to admit that, you know, that you're going through that and to ask for the support. Yeah. Um, they say that I think, you know, it's suicide is like the silent killer, right? Cause a lot of times I know that people, you know, when someone kills himself, a lot of the time we ask ourselves, why did, why did they do that? Right. And mm-hmm. were there, what were the warning signs? And, you know, I think maybe there are some warning signs in some cases, but um, I think in a lot of cases, and I know in my case, there really wasn't any warning signs, you know, and I, I remember, um, you know, years later, I posted on Facebook that I'd gone through this. And one of my friends, you know, that I'd known a long time was like, oh my God, I had no idea that, 
you know, you went through that and you always seem like so positive and happy. And, you know, it's really the people that you don't suspect usually. Um, yeah, it is. And, well, and it's interesting to just to pause for a second. I was just reading some statistics on suicide and it said 53% of the people who end up killing themselves had no overt signs that they were depressed or that they were feeling that way. And I mm -hmm. thought, oh, cow this is this is amazing so i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead oh no it's okay yeah and it's like if you don't have a if, you, if they don't leave a letter like it could be very i can see how you know it's really hard for the loved ones to understand why they would do that right but mm -hmm. um for me because i've been in that place i know sometimes people can feel like wow that's so selfish of them um but to me you know because i've been there i have so much empathy and compassion and i I get that it's, you know, they're just not even in a place to think about other people because they're in so much pain and they just want their pain and they don't necessarily want to die, but they just don't know what else to do, That's you know, and, and for me, I, um, you know, I, I felt like I didn't want to live and I couldn't imagine getting old because I couldn't even imagine living that long. Um, but I also like knew that if I killed myself, that my family would be really upset, you know, even though like I had that story that people didn't care about me. Um, I just knew that thankfully that they would be upset if I killed myself and I just, felt like I couldn't do that, but I was in that very stuck place where I was like, you know, I can't, I don't want to live, but I also can't die, you know? <laughs> Isn't so. that a helpless, uh, to me, because I've been there, I've been there in that place of, I, I don't know how to live, I can't die because, you know, I, I, I don't want to do that to my family or my kids, and, and, I just, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to live. I don't know how to be happy and I don't know how to get rid of this pain. But mm -hmm. what was fascinating to me when I was going through something like this was it seemed like the most logical next step because, because it, I, I didn't know what else to do. Does that right. resonate with you at all? Um, yeah, I don't know if logical. I mean, maybe it's, it's not like, logical. Yeah, right. I know it's hard, like that word logical. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just know that, like, yeah, it was really difficult. You know, I felt stuck. Um, and then basically, I ended up to make it even worse, I ended up in an abusive relationship. But that was actually like the greatest gift, you know, in my life. And it was that turning point where I realized that I didn't love myself. Um, I hadn't had that awareness until that point. Um, and at that point, I was like thinking to myself, okay, I must not love myself because if I did, I wouldn't be in this relationship and I wouldn't continually put myself in this relationship, you know? And so I was in that relationship on and off for four and a half years. Um, and, you know, I know that my friends, I would tell my friends about, you know, our relationship and they didn't understand because of course they thought I was amazing. And they're like, why are you with this guy? But, you know, when you're in it, you're obviously you've got an attachment and there are, it's not all negative, right? Like anything we all have, you know, um, good and kind of bad, you know, traits about us. And um, so, yeah, but that was actually, like I said, the greatest gift. And so at that point, when I started, you know, thinking about that, and I ended up getting introduced to a form of energy healing called matrix energetics that I do with my clients sometimes. Um, and it was actually through through my ex, um, the abusive ex that I found out about that healing. Um, his mom and his um, aunt were coming into town for this seminar. And he asked me if I wanted to go with them. Um, and I had, you know, he had grown up with his mom doing Reiki, like he had grown, grown up around that. I had not grown up around that at all. I was, you know, uh, raised in a traditional Christian family where we would go to church every Sunday, you know, Bible study on Friday nights. And um, so I was, I was raised very religious. Um, and so spirituality, you know, Reiki, all that stuff was very, like, I had no idea what that stuff was. Um, <laughs> but I've always been open. I don't know. I think 
Like my dad was also more open. Like I just have always been an open person. And so when he asked if I was open to going, um, you know, we checked out the guy's like YouTube video and I was like, okay, sure. You know? And so I had no idea what to expect. It was free, like on the first night, Friday night for the weekend. So I'm like, all right, I got, you know, nothing to lose. So we go and, um, you know, honestly, I'm sitting in the audience and he's bringing people up on stage and they're falling down. And I am like the most skeptical person in that room. I swear I was thinking, okay, he must be paying these people to fall down, you know, and I didn't, I was totally like, I don't really believe this stuff. Right. Um, and honestly, I don't really know what happened, but just over the course of that next year, I, I kept being curious about it and I would ask some questions and, um, and then, you know, the next year came around and we ended up doing, they have different levels. So we did level one together and I did level two and I went on and did, you know, all the levels and certification. Um, and that um, actually just being at that seminar, I think really helped me see different possibilities in my life because I think that, you know, we are kind of conditioned to believe that we only have two options. Like things are either good or bad or right or wrong. And like, you know, we just our condition to, to not believe that anything is really possible. You know, like when we're a kid, right, we believe that, but as we get older, we start to society, you know, starts to tell us like what we can't do. And, you know, we just um, conditioned to, to believe that, you know, that, that not everything is possible. Um, and so through that seminar, I started questioning, I realized that there were certain beliefs that I had that were putting conditions on my own happiness. Mm -hmm. And so I started questioning those beliefs. So one of the beliefs I had was that, you know, if I got married, I'd be happier. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, how do I know that getting married is going to make me happier? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of married people that are unhappy, right? There's a 50% divorce rate in the country. So clearly that's probably, you know, the case. Um, and then I had another belief, which is kind of similar, um, but different is that, you know, if I was miserable, or if I was single, I'd be miserable because I had noticed that I had this pattern where I would go from like one long, long-term relationship to another, um, and that I wasn't like, I was afraid of being alone, which, you know, went back to my childhood and this incident where, um, when I was a kid, where my parents were going through this divorce and my parents were arguing and my mom ended up calling the police and having my dad leave. And I was super close to my dad. I've always been, you know, a daddy's girl. And so I can only imagine, like, I don't remember what I thought in that moment, but I can only imagine that, you know, as a eight, nine, you know, maybe 10 year old that I was probably thinking like, you know, why is my dad leaving? Is he coming back? And what did I do? You know, like blaming myself. Um, and so I didn't even realize that I had this fear of being abandoned by men until I got into relationships, you know, that I believe was from that incident that happened. Um, wow. So I would stay, like I said, in one relationship, you know, after not go from one to another and not be really happy, but like not really break up with them for a long time because I was afraid of being alone. Um, and so, yeah, so I noticed that I had this belief that if I was single, I'd be miserable. And I started questioning that. And I said, you know, how do I know that being single is going to make me miserable? What if being single was the best thing that ever happened to me? You know? Um, and so just by like flipping those beliefs, um, it created space for a different possibility for myself. Um, and it gave me the courage to finally end that relationship, that abusive relationship that, like I said, was on and off for four and a half years. You know, we had broken up and gotten back together several times. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is like, I really need to end this, you know, for good. And I need to learn to love myself because I obviously don't. Um, and so, and then I also made a decision that I wasn't going to get into another relationship um, because I was afraid of being alone, that I would only, you know, be in a relationship because I wanted to get to know somebody better and not out of some kind of a fear. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next relationship I ended up in was so different from my other relationships. And I think a big part of that was because of the energy that I came into that relationship with, you know, that it wasn't from a place of lack or fear, um, that it was really just like, I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm happy with who I am and with being single and I'm fine, you know, I've, there's nothing that I need from this person. I just want to get to know them more. That's brilliant. How long were you single before, between? So honestly, it wasn't very long. <laughs> um, it was like three weeks. <laughs> but for me, like I said, I would literally go from one to another. That was like a long time. So you know, it's funny. I tell people and they just laugh. I'm like, I know it's not like a long time. Um, but actually, since after that relationship ended, I was single for like a year. Uh, so I've had, you know, long stretches, at least. I know you have. <laughs> so, I, was, I was curious. because No, I know people that go years, you know, it's just, I don't know. I always... I. Yeah, like being in a relationship or attracting someone isn't really a challenge for me. It's like the right person, right? Yeah. That, um, so yeah, I wasn't um, single for very long, but, but like I said, it was the best relationship um, up until that point because of the energy that I came into that relationship with. That is awesome. That is awesome. So how did, just as a side note, how did your boyfriend at the time then take this breakup? Right, the abusive one, right? Yeah. Um, well, actually he was okay. Like it was kind of like, he wasn't responding to my text messages and stuff. So, um, I kind of felt like, even though, I mean, I I knew that I needed to break up with him it almost felt like I had no choice, you know, because I was like, okay, he's not like responding to my messages. So I'm like, all right, I guess we're just going to break up, you know? Um, so he seemed okay. Um, and I honestly was really mad at the beginning. You know, I was really pissed. I was like, I don't know. And yeah, I was just angry. Um, And then, you know, over time, I got to a place now where I have complete gratitude, you know, for the experience. Um, I feel like it definitely, I mean, it helped me, you know, realize that I need to love myself and really help me with my purpose, which I believe is to teach and to embody self-love because that is, you know, they say we teach what we need to learn, right? And that's the thing that I've struggled with the most of my life. And you know, I heard this story one time where um, there's like these candles that um, somebody, one of the candles said to the other candle, like, show me who I am. And the other candle said, okay, but you have to promise that when I show you who you are, that you're not going to get mad at me. Because <laughs> like, basically, the idea was that we all came into this, like into our bodies, into our lives, like, what if we came into this, you know, life with um, like a certain thing, like we're supposed to learn right but in order to learn that it's like we had to experience the opposite right because it's like how can you learn about forgiveness if you if something didn't happen that needed to require you to forgive you like how, is, right so, sorry. same thing with self-love right so how could I have come into this life to learn about self-love and not be put in a situation where I wasn't loving myself that is brilliant. And, you know, a lot of times I think we get into these relationships or these situations that don't turn out well. And then we're so angry and we're so upset and we're so devastated and we're so this and so that. And, and just, I mean, it's, it's hard. And then, you know, we have trouble forgiving. And yet that one thing is the one thing, that biggest thing that catapults us into who we really are and what we're really supposed to be and do. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the biggest obstacle to, you know, forgiving and, and, and moving forward. Um, and, and so can you speak to that just a little bit, you know, a little bit more? How, how do you go through that forgiveness process or how have you gone through that forgiveness process? 
Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a process, like you said, you know, so it, it doesn't necessarily happen right away. Um, it sometimes it takes several times, right. And time to just to, to heal right from the, the hurt that we feel because we can know like, okay, that this person was doing the best they can, like on a mental level, but you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean that we really believe that on a soul level. Right. Um, exactly. So, you know, one of the things that I've done is that um, pano pano, I think, prayer. I don't know how to, yeah. <laughs> always never sure about the right way to say it, but it's, um, you know, where you say, um, you know, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yes. Um, that's really powerful. I've done that where I've envisioned that person and I've, you know, said those words and I've, you know, sent them love and, um, yeah. So I think, you know, that, so that's one of the things you can, you know, write a letter and then just burn it or, you know, if you want to send it, but you know, it's, it's really, I, I probably wouldn't recommend that because it's really not about them. Right. It's really forgiveness is something that we give ourselves. So, and I think that's the hard part too, is to be able to forgive and not still be attached to like that, how that person's going to respond or what they're going to do or like, you know, not wanting to, like expect an apology, you know, right. um, something that was kind of interesting was, so I, you know, when I wrote my book, um, I basically wrote about all the relationships that I had been in, you know, in my life. Um, and so I, I obviously talked about the abusive relationship I was in and, you know, my, um, ex and I, we still like, sometimes he'll text me and, you know, we'll like communicate like that. And so we're, we're still, we're on like good terms now. Um, and, um, so I ended up, you know, I, so I wrote about him in my book and then, um, you know, we weren't friends on Facebook though. And so one day he messaged me and he was like, Hey, you know, I just, for some reason felt called to check out your Facebook page. And I noticed that you wrote a book and he's like, congratulations, you know, that's awesome. And he said, you know, I'm going to buy a copy to support you. And you know what my first thought was? <laughs> Rot row, he's going to hear all the bad stuff. <laughs> right. It was like, it was literally like, Oh shit. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> so I, you know, went and looked at that chapter that I wrote about him because I was like, obviously, I knew that I had written about him and I was just reading it again to remind myself what I had written. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, there's not really, it's not like I'm throwing him under the bus. There's nothing like really bad that I say. Um, you know, the only thing is that I say that it was an abusive relationship and I'm like, I don't know, you know, how well he's going to take that. I'm sure that it's not easy to like, admit that you were abusive to someone and um but I was like you know I just it's not my I mean I'm not responsible for you know his feelings um and so I was like I'm just gonna let it go I'm not gonna even say anything if he brings it up you know then we'll see you know what what he says and but I was I was kind of curious whether or not he actually bought the book and so I went on Amazon and you know you can see um it shows you like your book sales um but it doesn't tell you who actually bought your book so I see that, you know, I saw that there was a book that was purchased on that day. Um, and so I'm like, well, unless it's a coincidence, he probably was the one that bought my book that day. Um, and so then like a few months go by and he had moved to um, Austin. And actually when we were there for the last New Media Summit, um, I ended up meeting up with him at the end of the event um, with you know, a bunch of people from the event. And so, you know, we're hanging out, we're having dinner or whatever. And then at some point he brings up my book and I'm like, yeah, so, you know, what'd you think of it? And he's like, it was good. Um, 
but I don't agree with like what you said. <laughs> um, and it was so amazing because I, I mean, I think obviously there's a part of me that was hoping maybe that like, like just holding space for an opportunity for healing um, for him in that, you know, in the situation. Um, and it just, yeah, it kind of blew me away that he like didn't see my side, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess it just, again, is that reminder that we all live in our own reality, you know? And um, yeah, like all we can do is share our truth, but we can't, um, like we just don't have control over how other people are going to respond and whether or not they're going to agree with it, you know? Um, but it doesn't mean that your truth is less valid because someone doesn't agree with it. No. And I think that's a really important point um, to to really bring up is our truth is ours and the other person's truth is theirs. However, <laughs> you know, there, there are many times we would really like to hear an apology. We would like to hear, you know, I, I really screwed up. I'm sorry. Will you, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And we're not always going to hear that. And so what I love about the, you know, the, I can't never say the word either. The hope, yeah, that version. <laughs> um, what I love about that, about that prayer is that it takes responsibility for your, you know, for our part in that interaction. And, and any part of it that, that, you know, we've, we've participated in from an energetic standpoint, from a karmic standpoint, from, you know, whatever standpoint it is, we're taking responsibility for our portion of it. And we're just saying, I apologize, you know, please forgive me, please forgive my interaction with you. And there's something about that, that, that over time seems to really shift those, the, I call them covalent bonds, those energetic bonds that keep people tied to us. But it seems like it frees everybody in that interaction, in that transaction. So I, I, I love that you got a little bit of closure, though. I think, I think it's really important, you know, to acknowledge that he would even be willing to sit down and, and say, you know, I, and that he, it felt safe enough for him to say, I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that's really huge. I know that, I know that, um, in, in several years ago, I had gone to a high school reunion and, you know, that forgiveness piece is so big. And this, this man walked up to me and this was at our, I'm going to really age myself here, <laughs> but it was <laughs> my 30 year high school reunion. And I had this, this boy in you know, throughout elementary school, who was just horrible to me, he would constantly push me down. I had, I mean, the first seven years of my life, I think I had skin knees every single day. And he was just he was so awful. And we had this very combative relationship, you know, because I just, I didn't trust him, he was constantly hurting me. And mm -hmm. 30 years later, this guy walks up to me and he goes, you don't recognize me. He goes, Oh, you're Michelle. And I said, yeah. And he says, you don't recognize me, do you? And I'm like, Oh, not, you know, I apologize. I really don't. Mm -hmm. And he gave me his name. And I just, I mean, I about fell over backwards because I, I really had not seen him since, since gosh, junior high school. Mm -hmm. And I said, Holy cow, I would never have recognized you. 
And I'm wait. What was funny is I watched my body tense, kind of waiting for the blow, so to speak. And he said, I've, I've waited for years to apologize to you. And I want to ask your forgiveness. And I, I burst out bawling. I had no idea how important that was to me until he asked for forgiveness and, and, and said, I am sorry. And I could feel my whole being just open wide. And it was, it was just this huge aha moment about how important forgiveness is and what it does to the other person that, you know, we've harmed in some way. So, mm-hmm. so I love, you know, I think that is such a, a profound um, story about, about how, you got at least some closure with him and that, you know, he he at least heard and whether he acknowledged his portion of it or not, you, you got some awareness or you were able, and there's also something really powerful about being able to speak our truth. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, I mean, I have, you know, clients that tell me, you know, it's one of the things that I think um, can hold people back from really putting the, some, you know, themselves out there and sharing their story and getting their book published is that fear of, you know, um, because they've gone through a lot of things, right, in their life. And some of them have been really traumatic. Like some of my clients have been abused, you know, they, they've gone through, you know, really horrible things in their life. And so, and, and with people that are still alive, right, like with family members, you know, um, and so, it's really scary for them to share their truth, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I tell them is, well, do you think that someone else out there has been abused and maybe they're blaming themselves? They think they did something wrong. And, you know, do you think that maybe by you having the courage to share your truth that that could help them, you know? And, and of course, they're like, well, yeah. Um, like, so, you know, is it worth it? I mean, I kind of look at like the, I guess the pros and the cons and, and you know, it's like, okay, well, I know that, you know, it's scary to, to put yourself out there. Um, and especially, you know, when, you know, it's like, it could be a family member, like something, you know, someone really close to you. Um, but if that can, you know, help so many other people. Um, and I also, you know, hold that intention that, that by them sharing their truth, that there could be healing there for that person, right. Their family member. Um, one of my mentors, um, she, you know, when she shared her story and she published her book, Um, she talked about, you know, how her relationship with her mom, um, had been really challenging when she was younger, her mom really wasn't around. Um, but they've gotten closer and now they have a good relationship. But when, you know, her mom like kind of read part of her book, she, it, it triggered her. It was hard for her because, you know, she probably has, is going through her own process, right. Of forgiving herself for not being there. And, um, and so, you know, it was, it was a difficult thing, but it, it also was an opportunity for, um, for healing, you know, for more healing for, for her mom, you know, and for her. And um, so I kind of just look at like the pros and the cons and, you know, whether the pros outweigh the cons or not. Yeah. And, and it is, it, it is something you have to work through when you, when you come out and you tell your story. Um, it's, it's, there really is a process. There is a huge process about, mm, who is this going to impact? You know, who, <laughs> who's still alive to, to, to hear this, you know, who, who this is really going to profoundly impact and, and who else can benefit from it? I think that was, I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant statement. 
Um, we need to go to a break right now. Um, we will be right back. Uh, we've got a word from our sponsors. So if you'll, be, if you'll bear with us for just a minute, we will be returning in just a second. Alrighty, we are back with Joy Chang, she, the queen of transformational book, book publishing and the podcast host of the Naked Truth Movement. So, so tell us, you've got some cool things coming up. You, I, I, I'm telling you, you are just this rock star. I was so impressed with you at our last New Media Summit, and I know we've got another one coming up. But tell us what's going on. Some of the transformation that has, that has shown up since you, got, you have gotten through the depression, you've, you've really rebuilt your life, and I mean, you've got this really thriving coaching business and cool things going on. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, you know, it's funny because I never thought that I would be in book publishing. It wasn't actually, if you had asked me five years ago, if I had was going to write a book, I probably would have said no. You know, writing a book wasn't something I always wanted to do. I know some people, you know, it's their thing that they've always wanted to do. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't mine. Um, I just, it just never was something in my thought. But then I went to an event and I heard a speaker, um, his name's James McNeil, and he was talking about how when we die, if we don't write our story down, it gets lost in the world forever. Mm -hmm. You know, basically somebody else could write a book about your life, but it would never be the way that you would tell it. And that really touched me. It really got me thinking about, you know, this idea of a legacy. What is it that I want to leave behind? And um, so that, that's what inspired me to you know, write my book was I wanted to first share my story and then I wanted to inspire people to share their story. Um, and then my third intention was to use it to grow my business. But at the time I was working with women, um, coaching them on how to love themselves to live their dream life. Um, so that was what I thought the book was going to help me do, you know, to get more um, clients, more women to coach them on self-love and living their dream life. And then when I, you know, put the book out there, I ended up doubling my income in three months. I got my highest paying client. I had people reaching out to me about speaking engagements. Um, I had never done a speaking engagement before. You know, my in-person book launch was my first official speaking engagement. Um, but it was really cool because at my book launch, I had, I was holding the microphone and I had this experience where I felt like, you know, I caught like a whole body yes. It was just that confirmation where it was like, okay, I've been doing this for lifetimes. This is what I meant to do. Um, and I had known that, you know, like when you go to events, it's easy, you see the speakers on stage and you think, well, maybe, you know, that would be cool to be a speaker. And, um, but I just had never had that real like confirmation until that point. Um, and so it was, it was really amazing to have that experience and to realize like, yes, this is what I'm here to do. Um, but you know, like most of us, I think I have a, you know, a huge fear of public speaking. Um, and I know that it's the number one fear, you know, so that the joke is that we're more afraid of being the person giving the speech right at the funeral than the person in the casket. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I think that's really true. I know for me, I mean, I get all of the symptoms of physiology, you know, where I have like my hands are sweaty and my heart's racing, you know, and all of that stuff happens. Um, and, and so it's hard because even though I know that that's a big part of what I'm here to do. I kind of see it like, you know, they say that, um, you know, that our fear, um, like our ego tries to, you know, keep us safe, right? And that that's actually, it serves a purpose, but a lot of times we don't need it the way that we used to, right? So we, we used to need that when we were like, if there was a bear that was chasing us or something, right? Like if there's like a legit fear, then that's really important. And so I kind of think of it like, it's like I'm having to go towards the bear because like the public speaking is the bear, right? It's the thing that I'm afraid of. 
And so it's really a hard thing to do, you know, to be honest, to just like go towards your fear because I think we're, we're conditioned to like go away from our fears, right? To move oh, yeah. away from them. Um, and, and that thing is there to keep us safe because there are times, you know, where that is needed, but most of the time it's not, it, it actually prevents us from growing. Um, and so one of the things that I've done is I have, um, you know, worked with other people, invested in myself um, to help me with my goal. Um, and so one of the things that I did last year was I invested in a team of people to help me apply to do a TED talk, a TEDx talk. And, you know, honestly, that was um, such a great thing because, um, you know, not only did they help me land, I, I've landed two talks now. Um, and then I found out you can only do one in a year. So I actually had to turn one of them down. Oh. Um, but yeah, but that was amazing. And, and I hired them not only to land it, but to actually help me monetize because a lot of people do a talk and nothing really happens because they don't actually know how to monetize it, you know? Right. Um, but a big part of it was, yeah, with the application is just, you know, I know that I have heard stories of people that have taken years to get a TEDx talk that are professional speakers. I mean, they've been speaking for 10 years. This is what they do for a living. And they, you know, struggle to get a talk. Um, it's very competitive. You know, usually one or 200 people apply and there's only like five spots. You know, it's like less than 10%. I mean, it's a very small percent of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, you know, if I had done it myself, it would have taken a lot longer. Um, it would have been a lot easier for me to like give up, you know, um, but because I had a people applying for me, basically, like, every time I would get a rejection, you know, I would send it to them, but because it's not their rejection, it doesn't feel personal to them, right? So I think like they can just keep going and keep like applying. <laughs> but if I was, you know, if it was for me, and I had to apply for myself, it'd be really hard, because you know, it's easy to say, okay, every no gets me closer to yes. But you know, we're human, right? Like, you know, right. and, and we want things and, and it's hard to not be attached to it and to not like want to give up when you're constantly, I mean, because they, they actually applied 170. So I was getting rejections because of so many I applied to, like literally at least one a week, maybe sometimes two or three in a week. And wow. so just the frequency, it's hard to like constantly kind of get rejected like that, right? Um, so to be able to just have continue not to give up to have the faith like I knew inside that you know I could do it and I was like if someone just gives me a chance like I know I can do this um and then yeah it was amazing to you know finally get my first acceptance and then like a week later I got my second one <laughs> and I was like oh my god yay like this is you know amazing um and yeah I mean it ended up taking it felt like it was so long but it took seven months and when I think about it I'm like it could have taken seven years I mean oh, it gosh. I think was a lot faster than it would have been if I had done it on my own yeah. you know so that that's a big thing I would say um a big lesson I've had to learn in my life is to be willing to ask for support you know because I think that and as women right we're it's like it's easy for us to to think we can just do everything ourselves right like we're super women <laughs> we can just like you know run our business ourselves run our family ourselves like our marriage i mean we're just like powerhouses right like we yeah. think like we can do this and i mean you might be able to for a while but eventually you're going to burn out if you just try to do it all on your own you know and it's um like i said it's something i've had to learn is is to reach out for support um but every time that i have i've just been overwhelmed with the amount of support that is available for me you know and, and and really knowing that when I reach out for support then the people that want to support me it's a gift to them as well as it is to me right because then they get to give um, and it feels good to give to others you know yeah, it really does congratulations on the TED Talks this, that is amazing absolutely amazing so where are you going to be speaking 
So the one that I decided on, because like I said, I had to turn one of them down, is in Michigan. Um, so in Grand Rapids. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yay. So I can't wait to see that. And we will definitely post that on our Facebook pages and all of our social media for you as soon as it as soon as it airs. So let us know when. Um, so how do people get a hold of you if, if, if they're interested in learning more about what you do? Because you, you've got some really amazing, uh, really powerful programs to help people shift and change. And, and yeah. Um, so the best way is to go to my website, which is joychang.com. That's J-O-I-E-C-H-E-N-G.com. Awesome. 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 Um, any programs, things coming up that, that you'd like to share with us at this point? Um, I mean, right now, really, I'm, um, like I said, I'm, I'm focusing on this talk, but then I also am taking on a few more private clients. So if you know, you're listening, and you feel like maybe there's something a story inside of you, you know, something like a stirring up something in you, and you want to um, explore what it would be like to share your story and to publish your book, I would love to speak with you. So you can go to my website and then schedule a complimentary clarity breakthrough call. Um, yes. That would be awesome. I, I love that you're helping people share their stories because I think there are a lot of people who really don't know how to even begin. And so, you know, the, the more we can share our stories, the more I believe, anyway, the more I believe that our world heals. I think we think of people, you know, we look at somebody who shares their, shares their story. And traditionally, it's been somebody who's been made into kind of a superstar. And, and you know, we don't, we just don't believe that we maybe have what it takes or, you know, we have this huge dream and this huge desire inside of us. And we think, Oh, you know, I'd love to be able to do that. I can do that. And it's like, Oh yeah, well maybe I can't. And, <clears throat> but I love, I love that you're teaching people how to really step into that. To me, that's, that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves and also that we can give humanity because when other people see us, when they see that, that, you know, we've been through what they're going through. And, and that's really one of the reasons why I decided to do this podcast was to share people's stories in a way that, that allowed others to see that they're not alone to see mm -hmm. that how, you know, how powerful it is um, to be able to heal and to acknowledge that you're going through something so, so much bigger than you and so much, you know, that can cause so much pain and, and not know what to do with it. So I love that. I love that you're on this mission to help people really share their stories. And, and my other belief system is, is really that, those of us who have big messages also have um, a lot of inner turmoil around it. Um, there's, there's a, I think there's something inherent in, in those of us. And, and I think, I think everybody has a big story. I don't think there isn't a big story, but we, we tend to negate our stories. And so, um, but I think that as we share our stories, it allows us to step into more of who we are. And, and every one of us were born with, with a major brilliance and major gifts. And as we come together in those gifts and in those brilliances, we literally change the planet. So I really, 
commend you and acknowledge the work that you're doing here in the world, Joy, helping people really change and grow and share their stories with people. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you for that acknowledgement. I received that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and then we will let you go. <laughs> sure. So it's called the Naked Truth Movement. Um, it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And um, basically, I interview people that have an inspiring story that are willing to be vulnerable, um, you know, because I believe that especially with social media these days, you know, it's so easy for us to like compare kind of our lowlights to other people's highlights, you know, on the, the highlight reel, right on Facebook. Um, And and to judge ourselves and to think that everyone else has, you know, the perfect, you know, body, the perfect relationship, the perfect business, like all of those things. Um, And and not to see what's really going on underneath and the challenges that they go through and and what they've had to overcome to get to where they are, right? Right. Um, And what they're still going through. And so, you know, I've interviewed, I interviewed a guy who's made and lost millions over and over again. And I, you know, talk about, you know, with him, like ask him about his challenges, the, the greatest challenge that he's been and um, gone through in his life as well as his greatest current challenge. And, um, and so my intention is really to, uh, my hope is that through, you know, the stories that people realize that, you know, really we're all the same underneath, right? No matter, like, it doesn't matter what our background is, what our economic, you know, status growing up or current status is, um, you know, cultural. Um, I mean, all of those things that, you know, underneath it all, we all want the same things, right? And we're all going through the same things. Um, and it may look different, but, you know, we all have similar emotions. And so that's my hope is that through my podcast that less people feel alone um, and hopefully, you know, there'll be less suicides as well. Because I know that, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, when we do feel alone, then that's something that, you know, people can can end up doing. So, yeah, my hope is there'll be less anxieties, less, you know, depression, um, less suicides and, and just more um happy people um but not like that fake kind of happy but just right. really, like genuinely happy because we feel connected because i think you know i i asked myself one time i'm like why do we what, what like why do we want to be vulnerable because to be honest i mean it doesn't feel good sometimes like in that mm-hmm. moment to be vulnerable right and it's like why would we want to be vulnerable and then i you know the answer i got was because i mean vulnerability is what leads to connection so it's really interesting because i think that you know for a lot of us and, and i speak for myself Um, as well here is that it's really scary to be vulnerable you know Mm -hmm. and this is like this is what I'm here to teach and 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 again it's because it's a struggle for me you know sometimes to do that as well and so um, it's challenging it's you know it's scary um, to be vulnerable but we all want to we all want connection at the end of the day like I think that's why we're here is we want to feel connected and unfortunately you know the only way to get there is through vulnerability yeah, it is. I, I love I love Brene Brown's message around that vulnerability piece. But it but it is. It's it's very scary opening ourselves up and and sharing, you know, that really soft underbelly that we all have because because it does feel so vulnerable. It feels very it makes us feel naked. And so I, that's what I've loved about about the the name of your show even is that you know the naked truth because we do feel really super naked (laughs) right yeah right so that that's i know and it's i mean that's the name of my book is the naked truth as well and so um kind of it works well um but yeah it's it does right when you when you're when you speak um vulnerably you feel naked yeah, you do. And and in a way we are, but it allows us to be seen and it allows that connection that I think like you said we all crave. We need that. It that's 
that's that's our our most unique need as human beings so thank you so much for being on the show and again people um if you would like to connect with joy um joychang.com is that correct yes Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please uh, drop us a note, uh, Michelle at Epic Healing Transformations. And um, be sure to connect with Joy as well. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If this episode has touched your heart, please rate and review it and then share it with all your loved ones. Reach out to Michelle and share your thoughts, feelings, and experiences at Michelle at EpicHealingTransformations.com.